Welcome back. My name is Kit. <laughs> I'm Steve. And wow. This is Streaming Things. This time, it's the patron pick, baby. We're talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world from 2010, directed by Edgar Wright, based on the popular comic books. Yeah. I didn't know if they pretentiously called them graphic novels or if I was okay to just say comic books. I think you can say comic books. We're all adults here. Come on. We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> we all know what that means. Yeah. And uh, we're delighted to discuss this film. Uh, longtime favorite of both of ours is my understanding. Of course, we'll talk about our overall thoughts, our history with this film and what it was like revisiting it this time. And then we'll go through a scene by scene, play by play reaction and recap right afterward. You can uh, follow the show, support it rather at patreon.com slash streaming things. And at a certain tier, you can make us watch movies just like uh, this one. And uh, that's a cool thing, a cool benefit. But even in lower tiers, you get other benefits like the ability to vote on monthly Patreon polls like this month's holiday poll. The victory is likely going to go to Gremlins, which actually I was surprised by. I'll say it. Were you really? I haven't said that before. When you sent me your nominations, I said, oh, you're playing dirty. Because anytime you pick like elder millennial Gen X movies, it's a lock with our audience. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a dirty down, dirty move. Right. But that's also your favorite (laughs) era as well. Like you're kind of an eighties guy. So it's like, you're just being true to yourself. I literally look up like Christmas movies and like you happen to align with the listeners. That's all. I can't nominate the case to holiday movie again, like last year. So I had a season. I can't nominate happiest season again. I wish you would. I guess I could, but I was going to nominate eyes wide shut, but I just knew it wouldn't work. (laughs) No, you you said, I think I did that last year. I laughed. But I was just like, there's no way that would win. Yeah. It's a, it's a Christmas movie. I mean, yeah. One with a bunch of fucking. But same as Die Hard. It's also a less Christmas fucking. Movie. Less fucking, but. It won last year. Die Hard did. Mm-hmm. Um, it should have just. Called, it should have leaned into the Christmas nature of it and just called it fuck hard. <laughs> fuck hard. <laughs> Not Die Hard. I mean, Welcome Eyes to Wide the party, shot. pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Argyle's out in the limo. <laughs> Jerking off. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> anywho, big bear. We just remade a a porn a, a parody Christmas classic. <laughs> a porn parody of the Christmas classic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just thought Gremlins is is popular, but it's no Gremlins two. Gremlins two, yeah. as many know, is the one. That's the, the superior, one you want. The superior Gremlins. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like Evil Dead too, where it, like he realized what it was more and it just was, leaned into it. Yeah. Um, so I thought will maybe, I nominate Gremlins two next month in January? Who's to say? Yeah, so I, I expected a Scrooged victory. If I'm honest, uh, oh, yeah, which I think is there. not even second place. Or what was your other one? Because you picked I uh, picked Klaus. Klaus, that's right. And uh, I don't even remember what. To be honest with you, something something else. Fire. <laughs> Some other fire movie. I should have Klaus. Violent Night pulled the uh, strange. You know, pulled the fans from Stranger Things in the David Harbor fans. I love Violent Night. Mm. It's great. But, you know, Klaus is an unexpected uh, recent classic, I would call it, for Christmas. But anyway, I'm happy to watch Gremlins. It looks like that's going to be the victor. So you can join things like that at patreon.com slash streaming things, the Discord membership, all that stuff. If you can't financially support the show, more than understandable, especially during the holiday season. But times are tight in general for everybody right now. So tight. People message us all the time and say, hey, I have to to pause my patronage temporarily. Uh, I'm just really struggling financially right now. You don't have to message me that. 
Um, we get it. We were just the fact that you would even consider giving us money yes. for the show is a huge honor. And we will we, thank you eternally for that. We do see, we get notified when people cancel their memberships, but zero times have we ever judged anybody mm-hmm. for that. No it judgments. is uh, completely understandable. Um, you know, the more money that we're able to make with this show, the more time and energy we're able to devote to it. And we're excited for the future when one day episodes every day, baby, you know, just all the, we have so many things we want to cover Yeah, that we just can't devote. We have to pick and choose. And but we it are pains just, us. We are just two mortal men. That's right. And sometimes Madison is here as well. Yes. And a mortal woman. And a mortal woman. Who's as strong as two mortal men, but still mortal. S- stronger. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to shout that out because I've gotten a few of those messages in the past few months and you don't have to apologize for that. We're just so happy you ever thought to pay actual monies to us at all. And we appreciate you so much, even just for listening to the show, rating, the, you know, sharing it with friends or sharing it on social media, giving it a, a five stars and, and a review on iTunes, stuff like that is so helpful. We appreciate you. I hope you're having a wonderful, relatively stress-free holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully Gremlins will help with that. Next week, we're going to be talking about Lost episode 12, but also a very special holiday episode where uh, we're going to be doing kind of a streaming things greatest hits. Uh, we've had a lot of the patrons yeah. pick out their favorite moments from mm-hmm. the this year's episodes. Is that is that correct? Yes. And you're going to be probably clipping them. And- I think it's this year and a little bit of change because I think some of the things people suggested were things like Andy's infamous apologies potion moment. Was that not this year? I think that was technically last November, mm. but or the November prior, excuse me, but we're going to count it. Yeah. Cause that's a great, that, that's it's a within great 12 months from when you initially asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually that is true. It yeah, is. Yeah. It. yeah. 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 Uh, so stuff like that. So look forward to that. That'll be a, a hoot and a holler, a blast. What else we got? We got any other business news or anything? You can email the show streaming things, pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Buy some merch. Go to streamingthingspod.com. There's links to our merch store. West River Printing is phenomenal. If you need some merch, uh, merchandise made for any reason. <laughs> merchandise. Yeah. Go to them. And uh, let's get to, let's get to our review of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Steve, what's your history with this film and what was it like watching it now? Okay, so I have a very long storied and intimate history. A checkered past. A checkered pa- I several, several evil exes worth of a past, Ooh. one might say, with this movie. Uh, a, let me right off right out of the gate. Let me just We've say got Australian for right a second. out of the gate. <laughs> let me just tell you. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely in the top 10, maybe the top five. I adore this movie to death. Um, the first time I saw this movie, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the year 2010. (laughs) I was in Orlando, Florida for a star Wars convention. I was there with, uh, uh, been on the show many a times. Phil was there. Our buddy John was there and our friend Josh was there. And John specifically, I remember my buddy John, he was very, very excited about this movie. And I think we all were, but he specifically was incredibly excited. And so we found a movie. We had spent the whole day at the Star Wars convention. And then we found a movie theater, went to that theater and saw Scott Pilgrim that Friday night, the, the opening of it, at least for that theater. And what a time. It was like this really cool. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. It was this really cool theater that was kind of ornate. I remember there was like a weird, they had like uh, uh, like some cloud decorations in the ceiling. Wow. So it was if you were like, I don't know, under a night sky, which was a little, I mean, come on. Like Pagemaster style? 
Kinda. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 kinda. Wow. That's a movie I haven't thought about in <laughs> decades. Decades, yeah, the page master. Um, and uh, one of my one of my favorite, I've told this story on the podcast before, but it originates from this viewing was uh, the, the showing of the trailer for Devil. Do you remember the movie Devil by M. Night Shyamalan? No, I never watched it. I've never seen it either, but I will never forget seeing the trailer that played before Scott Pilgrim because the movie's running. If you don't know, it's like a, it's like a story about several strangers trapped on an elevator, one of which may be the devil. Mm. And so like the, the trailer's playing, you could tell the crowd's kind of like into it. Like, Fo- oh, foosball's uh, the devil. I know that. Yeah, foosball's the devil. Uh, where's he? I, as soon as the foosball pops up, <laughs> I'll know who the devil is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone in the crowd's super into it. And then the title card, from the mind of M. Night Shyamalan and the whole theater went, oh, <laughs> already in 2010. Yeah. And it already it turned on him. Honestly, one of the funniest things because I didn't see that coming, but literally the whole theater collectively like 10 oh, or 12 people. This is people, probably like peak, peak M. Night hatred actually. Yeah. Because yeah, it was like right 10 around, years after the sixth sense. So yeah. And then around the time that last avatar, the last airbender was coming yeah. out, stuff like that. So yeah, like it was just one of the funniest experiences, but long story short, we saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I instantly felt in love with this movie because this movie has it all man it's got it's directed by edgar wright one of the streaming things darlings i would say when it comes to directors yeah um it's got just a amazing jaw-dropping cast and a lot of these people are like before i mean some of them were like starting to get popular in their career but it's before they become like the mega stars they are today yeah um, I think like, you know, back then Michael Sarah was the biggest name in this whole Yeah, movie. this is a four years after Superbad or three yeah. years after Superbad. But other than that, everybody else is, this is pre Parks and Rec. This mm-hmm. is pre Captain America. Um, so yeah. I think, right. Yeah, this yeah. is definitely pre Captain America for sure. Uh, but, but I mean, like, it's so funny to watch this movie now and like Michael Sarah was the biggest star when this came out. And so many, several of his contemporaries in this movie have like eclipsed him in terms of like what they've gone on to do star power wise. Yes. But everyone's so amazing. And this movie is bold in its art direction, its music, its characterization, its, uh, the sense of style, the directing. And there's all these bold choices that somehow come together and work so well. And this movie has a kineticism to it. It has a pace to it. It's funny, but also it's not shy about having a protagonist that kind of sucks. Super sucks. Uh, yeah, super sucks, especially in the beginning. And I kind of like that about it because, and and this is, the, and you know, I'm go, I'm going long on why I like this movie so much. But I love it. As I was watching it last night, I actually watched it maybe three months ago because I showed Erica. She wanted to see what some of my favorite movies were, and I popped that on three months ago. But I'm watching it last night, and I had a realization that I've never had before because this movie is 13 years old now came out in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, as I was watching it, I was like, wow, I've never had a movie make me feel this way before. This is a movie that's making me feel young. I, I like, it's making me feel young again because the music's playing and it's just bringing me back to that time period when I was young. Cause when in 2010, I was, uh, 22, I'm Mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim's age or the age that character is supposed to be in the movie. And so I, and so I was the perfect, I was in the perfect time period of ingesting this franchise, ingesting this movie. So yeah, like even the seedier things, the things that haven't aged well in this movie, cause there yeah. are, there are several. Yes. Um, even those things bring me back to that time. It's like, I remember when people thought it was okay to say that. I remember when 
when I was younger and some of the things you did were selfish and not super cool, but you learned from your mistakes, right? And that's why this movie kind of brings me back to that time. And I love it so much because it just makes me feel like how I did when I was a young teenager, early 20 year old. Um, and it's just super cool and fun. I agree. Yeah. Um, I kind of missed the boat on this movie. Yeah. 2010 was not a year. I've talked mm -hmm. about it way too many times, but for new listeners, history of drug addiction, blah, 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 homeless, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and 2010 was like the peak of that. You know, I got sober in 2012. So I didn't even watch this movie until 2013 or so. And I didn't know what to make of it because it, I think it's ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I also missed the boat on all of Edgar Wright pretty much. I'm ashamed to admit this because uh, Shaun of the Dead is now one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Incredible movie. I think it's a perfect film, a ridiculously tight script, so clever, so funny, uh, packed full of references uh, and homages, but also references to itself. And it's so good. It's so layered. And I adore Edgar Wright. Um but when I watched Shaun of the Dead in high school, I was really, I was kind of an edgy teen. You know, I wanted a serious zombie movie. I didn't know. And everybody fucking loved, everybody cool loved it. You know, they were going, um, you know, Halloween costumes, all this stuff with Shaun of the Dead. All my got cool friends got red on you. Yeah. I, I, I just didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I was not, I was like, ah, oh, that was fun. And thought nothing of it. You know what I mean? Uh, didn't even watch Hot Fuzz. I don't think in high school. Mm, the tightest of scripts. Uh, great, great, great movie. And um, didn't even like, didn't, didn't like World's End at all. So it was anyway. And so didn't think much of it. And it was only to like 2013 through 2016 where I not only began to appreciate these movies, but became obsessed with them, including Scott Pilgrim, but more, much more so Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. I've told you guys many times uh, that I discovered as a bad parent uh, that little kids will watch Edgar Wright movies because of his style, his quick, crazy, quick, frenetic editing style, mm -hmm. which is weird. I've looked it up. He uses different editors for a lot of those. So it, it really has to just be Edgar yeah. uh, is the only like uh, constant in those. And because of that, kids will not look away. Like they're, they're easy. They're really hard to find something they'll pay attention to as far as a feature film. They love Edgar Wright. So I had my son Mason watching Shaun of the Dead and hot fuzz. Cause he liked police and he liked zombies. And I was like, boy, do I got a fucking treat for you? And it's something that I can stand to watch twice a day as well. So I've seen Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz dozens and dozens of times and they never gets old. It truly doesn't ever no, get those old. Those are great movies. Watching Scott Pilgrim last night. I liked it a little less than usual mm -hmm. while still loving it. Like I gave it, it's an eight out of 10 to me right now, but it was five stars for the last decade or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but like, the societal context and how people have kind of weaponized the character of Scott Pilgrim and really failed to understand that he's not a good person. It's not the movie's fault at all, but it does recolor in the same way that it does for like fight club where like, there's a huge mass of people that just really don't understand the satire. Yeah. And they like, I am Tyler. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, that's not a good, that's not no, what you're no, not. Don't, no, don't do that. Um, and so it kind of, it does, it can't help but kind of recontextualize the movie for me. And I can't just like love fight club as much as I really do because so many douches do, you know what I mean? Uh, and it just kind of, that I felt that way watching Scott Pilgrim last night where it's like as a 35 year old, uh, who once was a very, very selfish and cruel 22 year old. Uh, and not that every 22 year old is, but I definitely was. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I just, 
I probably was. I maybe, definitely was. Maybe I liked it more than I'm willing to admit. I just didn't like that about myself. I don't know, but I just didn't have the same experience I normally do. Um, and it's so damn silly, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I silly. do, I do want to say this music is my jam. Yes. I grew up on a yeah. crunchy alt rock. That, that's why you guys make fun of me because I don't know the Cindy Lauper song and I don't know the Duran Duran song. I was too busy listening to uh, Weezer and Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and just relentlessly obsessed with stuff like that. The Black Keys, Cage the Elephant, like even those neo alt rock resurgences, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. And so when they play this funny quote unquote music, I'm the garbage man. I actually oh, unironically fucking love that song. Amazing music because it's Beck. Like this is all yeah. Beck created. Like the all of the Sex Bob Bomb songs are created by Beck. <laughs> so like and like you can listen to the I'm Beck's versions Beck of him singing I'll be a garbage man. You can yeah. hear his version of that song. And then you know Around this time, and Edgar Wright is a famous music connoisseur, which is makes this uh, oh, yeah. a new level of fun for me. And also, I mean, let, I I don't want us to go too far without mentioning that Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the movie, is based off a series of comic books by Brian Lee O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote, and you um, read those as well. I I read those when I was younger. Yeah, I, so I watched the movie first, went back and read the books, but there are six or seven of them. Uh, the the title Scott Pilgrim versus the World is the title of the second book. Oh, okay. Uh, they go uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, mm. which is an obvious Smashing Pumpkins reference. Yeah. Actually, I think at one point Scott wa- Scott's wearing a shirt that has S and P on it. A lot of people think it's just Scott, Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim, but it's actually a Smashing Pumpkin shirt. <laughs> um, uh, the fourth book is Scott Pilgrim gets it together. Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe, and then the last book is scott pilgrim's finest hour um and the and the interesting thing about this a lot of the songs the band t-shirts well, infinite the sadness is one of the chapter names in the movie too did you catch that yeah it yeah. Is. yeah there's a ton of like easter eggs and references to things that are in the books that are expanded upon in the books but they don't necessarily have the time to do it in this movie yeah uh the books in the movie are actually pretty similar up until you get to the fourth book and then they kind of truncate a bunch of plot points like the the Katianagi twins and um uh, uh Roxanne mm-hmm. a lot of their storylines are really kind of compacted and together uh Kim's Kim is actually one of my favorite characters in the book she's a, such a good character but a lot of her storyline is kind of taken out of the movie unfortunately yeah. and it um, results in her just being um this girl who's upset that Scott dumped her and like there's a lot of uh mm-hmm. not misogyny but like borderline you know actual as well but like there's a lot of borderline stuff too where it's it's mm-hmm. just everybody in relation to Scott so even though the movie tries to criticize Scott by the end I, I don't think people can be blamed too heavily because it doesn't criticize him very openly and there's mm-hmm. just such a hand wavy he even says like so are we cool now after he very lackadaisically apologizes for cheating on uh, knives and mm-hmm. um, Ramona. Right. So it, right. it's this hand wavy, like, so we're cool now. And the movie does that, you know? And so yeah. I think you and can be forgiven for kind of thinking, eh, it kind of sucks that they don't really make him reckon with that. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference I think between the books and the movie is actually, so when the movie was being made, the last book was being written, like wasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. The book came out after the movie did. And there actually is this weird thing where the movie kind of influences the book in some certain sh- scenes. Uh, but the biggest difference is, whereas like in the movie, you know, you know, Scott earned the power of love. Yeah. Scott earned the power of self-respect. The, the, the books actually go much more into 
no, Scott has to live with the mistakes he's made. Like they're actually like the nega Scott confrontation is a much bigger deal because it's like, oh no, you can't just like, hey, we cool now. You have to like reconcile like you did something you made a mistake you have to earn these people's respect back right there's there's gotta be a penance uh a real amends made that the movie doesn't allow yeah and there's also you know funny enough um the movie actually the way the movie ends there's actually two different endings shot because they didn't know how brian lee o'malley was going to end the books right so they they shot two different endings you know wondering which way he was going to go which we'll get into that when we go through okay. the scene breakdown. But it is very interesting. If you do like this movie, and and then I agree with you, there is, I think the ending of the movie, the last act is like the weakest part of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't wrap up these loose ends as well as it should. Uh, but if you, if you like the premise of the book, you like the style, you like the jokes of it, I highly encourage you to not only go and read the book so you can get a better version of the story, in my opinion, it's, it's a much more, you know, uh, uh, modern take on the story, even though the books are just as old as the movie. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, go watch Scott Pilgrim takes off on Netflix. Cause it's a, it's also yeah. a really great expansion. I, of I this. actually don't, I don't even want to breeze past that. Um, and fast forward like a minute, if you don't know anything about the show, because I do think it's a wonderful surprise, but Scott Pilgrim takes off as an adaptation on Netflix um, uh, that we all thought was uh, going to be a beat for beat remake in cartoon form because yeah, it, they got the same cast the and entire everything. cast is back uh, down to the Kieran Culkin, like everybody, Chris Evans, Aubrey Plaza, Brie Larson, um, Chris Evans. And the entire first episode is a beat for beat remake. And then it has a huge change in plot. And then from then on you take over from Ramona's perspective, but it's not just like a gender swap version uh, like I can just hear the the groan of people, huge of South Park fans out there going so so it's a woke version. Uh, no, if I even uh, just act like that's a real word, it's not. <laughs> it actually it's a brilliant reckoning of uh, the failings of the movie and the original story, but in like the societal impact that it had, uh, where these characters get to make actual amends and like heal instead of just being defeated by this douchebag. Beat each other up. Yeah. yeah, And it acknowledges like the choices that Ramona made. Like she kind of breezes past it in the movie. Like, yeah, I, I dabbled in being a bitch. Like, no, you were like super shitty too at one point. And mm-hmm. all these people are just legitimately hurt individuals, right. That haven't been able to heal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just was so surprised by that tactic yeah. that the show took. And it is again from Brian O'Malley and uh, Edgar Wright, the show as well. So mm-hmm. Super recommend that if you're a huge fan of this movie. I think it works as a, an incredible companion piece 13 years later with the movie. Honestly, like the way the characters end up in Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, I, I much prefer the way where they end up in this movie. Like it's much more satisfying as a fan of these characters to see like, oh, yeah. I love how they take that character Other than and their that story. most of them are dead. Yes. Yeah, 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 in the end of, yeah. The end of this movie, most people are dead. Which surprising. They're just a pile of coins. Yeah. But. So overall... Great movie. Yes, it's a phenomenal film and a seminal uh, work for for millennials for sure. And uh, and I adore. You guys know. I'm. I mean, you may not know, but I'll tell you now. I'm Gugu for Brie Larson. Uh, uh, Gaga, even. Yes, Gugu for Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, and uh, Jason Schwartzman. I just love all these people dearly, and seeing them all together in this film where most of them started is just really mm-hmm. fun for me. Uh, huge fan of the band Metric. 
launched Dude, to stardom because of this movie. Don't even get me started. So Metric, if you guys don't know, is like my legit, my favorite modern so band. The, the Clash at Demon Head, the, the main song of this movie is an, a real song by a band named Metric. It wasn't created by Beck. And uh, Steve got me hip to that when we started doing this podcast. You know, I was a big fan of this movie. We talked about it and you're like, you should check out Metric. You know, it's a real song, a real band that I love. Because I talked about how much I love female vocalists, you know, Mm -hmm. dude, Paramore and shit, you know. You're like, dude, Metric, that's my jam. Big fan. Yeah. Listen to that song all the time. And if you like the Brie Larson version, you can also like the Metric version. You got two great versions of an amazing song. It's a a banger for sure. Also, there's there's another band called... um, the, bro- uh, the broken social scene, which is basically like a big Canadian, like super group of like a bunch of popular Canadian bands sometimes come together and form the broken social scene. Mm-hmm. It's like a K-pop. The members change. Yeah. Like sometimes the, I think there's sometimes there's six members. Sometimes there's 19. Yeah. It's one of those metric has been involved with them. Um, stars, uh, a feast, um, a bunch of, a bunch of very popular Canadian bands have in one way, shape or form been a part of this. Band. Brian O'Malley is Canadian. I imagine. Super Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the places. <laughs> Edgar Wright's not. So I'm trying to find the connection. You no, know, Brian Lee O'Malley, like a lot of the locations they go to, like he just lives in Toronto and that's like where he went to school or where he went yeah. to the library. You know, the, it, it's very personal to his story. But um, so the broken social scene has a song in this called Anthem of a 17 year old girl, which is Knife Chow's, yeah. you know, song. But also they created the songs for Crash and the Boys. So, <laughs> so sad. Like all yeah, that. That's so a broken social sad. scene. Like, they they created that music, but then the actors sang it. Yeah, awesome. Just, just, yeah. A lot of great music in this band or in this uh, movie. Yeah, and the movie was a failure. We should it's colossal failure. We should point that out as well. Uh, it, it grossed less than $50 million on an $85 million production budget. So I'm assuming with advertising, it lost over $100 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reviews were mostly positive, but not very enthusiastically. But I think over time, it's become like a huge cult. Absolutely. Classic a cult that, classic. I th- yeah. Which I remember, excuse me, I remember it being incredibly shocking that this movie failed as hard as it did because the Comic-Con before this, they had a Comic-Con panel where they're like, hey, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim. It's so great. Which, by the way, surprise for you, we're showing the entire movie here. And so if you were at that panel, you got to see the whole Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Let's dive into it. Let's Mm -hmm. dive into this failure of a wonderful (laughs) classic um, and there's so many details in this movie and it's it dense it like any Edgar Wright film. It really, really rewards repetitive watches, repeat reviewing. Uh, even I've seen this movie 20 times and watching it last night, I was just catching little jokes in the background. Uh, I was waiting for the beat of my favorite joke and then I would catch something young Neil saying in the background or something and just laugh. Yeah. Um, but it starts off really rough. I mean, the first line in the movie is Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. Uh, Not so long ago, in the mysterious <laughs> land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. <laughs> He's 20 I'm years Casey old, um, dating Knives Chow, who is 17 years old. And they don't do anything. They've never even held hands. I want to stress that. But it's not a good look, as Wallace says. Um, and uh, <laughs> But she has the capacity to geek. Uh, I just like, love the dialogue because obviously Steven Stills wants her to freak out about his band and she's yeah. going to like geek out and he's like, oh, she'll be chill. She, I want she, her to she geek geeks. out. Oh, she, she has the capacity to geek. Yeah, I'm sure she could, you know. Um, and then we get the band practice and this phenomenal opening credits where I guess what Edgar Wright did is 
film that same shot and put the carpet down and stuff, but like in a warehouse, I think that's practical, right? Yeah, it's a practical long room. Yeah. It's a practical effect of them in a very long room where he's pulling the camera back and uh, knives and young Neil on the couch are just like 20 feet away from the band playing. In my notes, I have it during the scene. I have it written. We're three minutes in and I fucking love this movie so goddamn much. The, the we are a sex bomb song that leads into the opening. Um, the credits Gets me so goddamn hyped. Oh, like I meant when, to wear my sex bomb shirt. Oh, well, you, you got your, you work enough though, buddy. What a loser. Uh, but yeah, that, that pullback and you see the band. And I don't know if you pay attention to Michael Sarah when they're that, in that wide shot, Michael Sarah is giving mm-hmm. like, he's just like jamming out so hard. And he's I think like he plays popping around. Yeah. So every one of the actors, so Allison pill, um, Mark Weber who plays Steven stills. And, uh, I can't remember the guy who plays young Neil, uh, all three of them, never played an instrument before and they had two weeks to like learn their instruments before production. That's what I love about grunge in general. That's how the actual musicians were. They weren't very good. In fact, they scoffed at people that were, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, what am I going to solo? You fucking cock rock nerd. (laughs) Uh, And that was like, so as like a, an untalented kid, you just learn a few power chords and scoff at real talented people. Right. And make your music, you know, but, but, to your point, uh, Michael Sarah actually is a talented bassist. Yeah, and he had to, according to dumb it down, know, dumb it down. Yeah, because when he's battling um, Todd, it's just like it's he's doing a bunch of nothing. Yeah, he's playing two chords. Yeah, not even chords. They're just like little notes on the E string, and then Todd's doing these complicated like solos and stuff. Really fun stuff, though. But Knives is struck. She's never heard their band before. She's like obsessed with Sex Bobomb at this point. Um, and then, you know, the next scene, Scott's super happy. He's talking about how Knives is great. And you can tell that young Neil actually really likes Knives. And, and Neil's whole characteristic is that he's dumb as shit. Um, but, and Kim kind of hates Scott, right? So are you really happy or are you really evil? So it's not like the movie doesn't call attention to that Scott's a piece of shit. Wallace mm-hmm. calls him out. His sister calls him out. Kim, Kim repeatedly calls him out. Yeah. But I still don't feel like the movie really adequately makes him reckon with that, you know? Because at the end of this film, in, in, in making amends is not about saying you're sorry. Sorry is bullshit. You say you're sorry all the time. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right? You just That's just a way of wanting somebody to absolve you. Uh, whereas... Um, and amends is actually like, what can I do actively to make this right? You have to take an action, right? Um, so anyway, we'll get there. F- fun little story, um, little factoid is in the movie, Scott's supposed to be 22. Yeah. Knives is 17. Uh, Stacy Pilgrim, his sister, is supposed to be 18. Correct. And Michael Sarah is actually three years younger than both Anna Kendrick and Ellen Wong. I just thought that was interesting. He's younger than Knives Chow? Yeah. Like the the actual actors are, he's younger than both those, those women, which I thought was interesting. Ha and this is pre pitch perfect, I think. Oh yeah, and pre definitely pre trolls. <laughs> definitely pre. The, is this the pre trolls world that it we is, live in it right is. now? This is pre trolls. <laughs> um, we cut to Wallace Wells, uh, played by Kieran Culkin. Love him. Long before this is like Igby, Igby goes down era. This is long before Succession or anybody really appreciated Kieran Culkin. Um, all the stuff in his apartment belongs to Wallace, except for the pile <laughs> of Scott's clothes and the coat. I love um, that, like that, uh, like kind of tracking shot where it's like, blunk, blunk, blunk in it, but it has that Xerox machine sound effect of yeah. the camera moving and labeling all of their stuff. And Scott like has nothing. Yeah. You're totally my bitch forever. Yeah. They, they sleep in the same bed. It's my gay friend Wallace, uh, which he repeatedly refers to him as such. Um, 
And he was recently dumped by, or a year ago was dumped by Envy, Envy Adams. We don't know much about her, but we, we know that he's been destroyed by that for the last year. He sh- who, sh- she who shall not be named. That's right. This is a post-Harry Potter world. We don't um, use the E word in this house. That's right. Uh, and it goes to him picking up knives at school. Yikes. Uh, and Wallace tells her, you're too good for him. Run. Uh, and they have that whole conversation. And then they're playing like a Dance Dance Revolution ninja game. Are, mm-hmm. Is this a real game that you're familiar with, Steve? I am not. No, no. It's a, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a fake game, but it's meant to emulate Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, but, but also there's like a the, fighting component to it. But because of the, I think they're adding like the ninja element to it because of the world. Um, yeah. Like in the, in the comic book, Roxy's supposed to be like a legit ninja. Yeah. Um, but I think here they're, I, it, this is kind of rough to say, but I think here they're just implying the ninja aspect to knives specifically. That's what I thought too. And I didn't yeah. like it. Because he yeah. does say she's Chinese a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, her name's Knives Chow. She's, she's Chinese. Chinese. Uh, <laughs> or then when she like, like I, I was going to ask you to come have dinner with my parents. It's like, <laughs> so like Chinese food. I know. It's not funny. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's one of the first times I caught that was my viewing last night where I was like, huh. But this is when we get the the famous like, uh, did you know that the original name for Pac-Man is Paku Paku? Which uh, I'm sure is a true factoid. That is a true factoid. I did not know that. Uh, which means but, something like the flip flap of the mouth, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. If, uh, to flap one's mouth is yeah. what it means in Japanese. Uh, but this is actually like an important scene because it shows that knives and uh, Scott actually are like, you know, they work together well. Yeah. yeah yes. Which, which comes back later. They're good friends. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he, but he is still a dick because like you get the continue 10, nine. And, he's, and he makes and he, her pay and for And he's just like, you're going to, throw the quarters in there and she's like, Oh, sorry. Like she's trying to have an emotional moment, but also he like, it's her money. Yeah. It was the implication there. And they go on like this all day date. Uh, and it reminds you of being, I know that he's not a kid. He's an adult. And that's part of the, uh, uh, problematic nature of this. But also like, I remember being a kid and like, that was what you would do with your girlfriend, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the thrift shop, go to the arcade, go get some pizza. Um, he has that line that's so rough where he's like, she's only allowed out at, during the daytime. So yeah. we're not really dating. And Wallace is like, oh, that's better. Yeah. You're making this sound great. Um, it's, so it's not really like dating. It's like, it's like playtime. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> so we go to the, we see them at the record store. And the, one of the shticks of this movie is that Julie played by Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza fucking Plaza works everywhere. Um, and she works at the record store. Julie has issues and knives wants a clash of demon head album. And, and Scott never tells her that he used to date envy the lead singer of that band, but he just like throws her clash of demon head album aside. Like definitely don't need to listen to them. Um, he, he won't take her into his house. He's like, it's a man cave situation. No girls allowed secret layer. Do you want to see where I grew up? And then he just turns around cause he grew up right across the street. That's his childhood home. Um, but he he's he's acting incredibly cocky around her and like as if he is a rock star. He's like kind of aloof. Our band is kind of already a big deal, but it'd be cool if strangers wore our T-shirts. And he says something like, I knew I personally rocked, but it's it's cool that you think that we collectively rock as we, a unit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't. He's actually very insecure. He's still mourning envy and he's using knives to feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which the movie does acknowledge, maybe just not hard enough. Um but then Ramona flowers skates through his dreams, which she uses his hyperspace highway of a mind to deliver Amazon packages faster. Yeah. There's a really convenient hyperspace. The line. magical realism of this movie. I love that. It's never remarked upon. You know, yeah. that's one of the charming things about it is that you just kind of go with it in the book. There's like this really funny exchange. Cause they kind of expand on this exchange uh, where Scott's like, I'm sorry, what a hyperspace highway. She's like, yeah, you guys don't have that in Canada. And like, 
Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, weird. I wondered why no one else was in there when I was, yeah. when I would drive through them. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Like it's just fu- this funny kind of that self lines in the movie, but it's not, it's just so one off. Yeah. It's, it's that it's, I just like the, it's a little bit of a self deprecating humor on like the Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Cause Brian, uh, Leo Malley is from Canada. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I have a note that says other Scott. Uh, oh, it's because Wallace has a guy named Scott in his bed because Wallace is a bit of a player and he calls him other Scott. Uh, and so they're all three just sleeping there together at one point when he wakes up from this dream. I do just want to say, yeah, I'd be okay if they could just recast other Scott. Cause I don't like that actor. <laughs> you just don't like him. Yeah, I don't know why. Like the way his line delivery, I'm just like, Dude, what are you doing? I thought you were going to say, I, I'd be okay with sleeping with Kieran Culkin or something. Oh, I, oh yes. I, 100%. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I would love for Wallace to be a catty bitch to me. Please, <laughs> yes. please do that to me, daddy. You're, you're going to be the Jimmy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who the fuck is Jimmy? That's right. So he sees uh, Ramona at the library and he's like, oh my God, that's a real person. And he's with knives. And she's like, do you know her? And he just ignores her. Uh, and then they end up going to Jules's party. Uh, which none of them are happy about young Neil is like, I guess bored as well, but he's more like, Oh, this is where we get like the classic really, really good Edgar Wright scene transitions. Cause yes. there's like five or six location changes within a minute. And it's all seamlessly done. Cause he's in the library and then like, he's playing the one note at band practice. And then where are we going? Oh, they're outside on the street now. Like, Oh, this is going to be so boring. Oh, they're at the party. It's like it's just yeah. this really quick. I'm so bored. I have to pee. And then young Neil's like, I have to pee. I'm so doo doo. I'm going to go pee due to boredom. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not drinking alcohol. He's drinking Coke Zero. And I'm like, is Scott actually Steve? Um, <laughs> Steve loves Coke Zero. I do. Yeah. I do. And but we yeah. get a Nelson Franklin who plays Como kind of pops up. The guy who knows everybody. The guy who knows everybody. Uh, I, this is one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie where he goes up to Como because he knows everybody. He's like, hey, Como, do you know a girl who looks like this? And he just holds it's up this like shitty really drawing. Shitty drawing. He's like, oh, yeah, that's Ramona Flowers. Yeah. She's American. She's from America. <laughs> uh, and so he goes, she's supposed to come to this party. So he goes around the party looking for Ramona. And we get one of the most iconic shots from the movie that like, uh, all the negative space of the wall with her off to the right. This one leaning girl. this one girl. And then he like deletes the words as he slides up to her, tries to tell her the Pac-Man story, but unlike the confidence that he has with knives, he fucks it all up. And at the end, she's just staring at him like, okay. And he goes, I'll leave you alone forever now. And she says, thank you. And walks away. This is one of my, one of the things I really wish they would have, uh, cause they removed this from the book, but I wish they would have kept it in the movie. Cause one of the things that I criticize about this movie is, um, the, Ramona actually kind of like giving Scott a chance. She, the celerity with which she falls for Scott is bizarre. It, in is, the movie. Biz, is bizarre, but there is a small detail. I think they could, they should have kept in where, cause he asks her at one point, am I dreaming? Because he's yeah. literally been seeing her in his dreams. Right. And so when he says it out loud, he thinks, Oh shit, I just said a dumb thing. She also thinks that. And she goes away. But later on in the movie, when he tells her like, this is, is going to sound weird, but I think I've been seeing you in my dreams. And she realizes, Oh, you're the dude that I've been driving through your dreams. I thought you were just crazy. I'm so sorry. I, I, I really thought you're just being a weird dude. Turns out I actually was in your dreams. That, yeah. it, that is an important, I think, connection, at least early on in their relationship in the books that I think they should have left in. Yeah. Because it makes her seem like, oh, shit, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but My yeah, bad. But they kind of skim over that. My bad on the trespassing kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. 
Um, and then he starts interviewing everybody at the party about he stalked Ramona. her until she left the party. Yeah. <laughs> he's like watching her go upstairs and stuff. Uh, Jules forbids him from hating on Ramona because he's known as a bit of a player, right? He's known as a, uh, a rake, if you will, is what they would have called him in Victorian England. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's been with Lisa. He's been with Holly. He's been with Kim, the drummer. He's broken all of their hearts. I love that. Like, he does. Me and Kim are all good now that it what pans to Kim and there's like that scary music yeah. and just staring at him. <laughs> yeah, definitely not good. Um, Wallace tells him he should break up with knives. Um, Guess who's drunk? And he's like, I guess Wallace. I'm guessing Wallace texts uh, his sister while passed out. How do you even do that? (laughs) And Scott immediately starts ordering from Amazon because he knows that she's an Amazon delivery girl and then starts waiting for the package immediately. I like how Scott Pilgrim takes off, does this a lot better and actually like leans into it. And he's just waiting for days and days. Yeah, Um, I do love the the, how clueless he is like, hey, man, what's the website for Amazon.ca? Which I guess is Canadian Amazon. Yeah. And he's like Amazon.ca. Oh, okay. But then when he gets on the computer, he's like, dude, this thing claims I have mail. Dude, now I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, he's so amazed at email. He gets an email from Matthew Patel explaining the the, the League of Evil Exes and the challenge that he's about to submit. He's like, blah, 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 blah. God. And it looks like, I love the shtick where it looks like it's dawning on him. To the oh my God. This, it, this means this is so boring. And he deletes it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's about to break up with knives, but doesn't do it. Uh, and cause he, he's a coward. And then yeah, Steven tells him that they've booked a show. They're at, doing a bad job on the ninja game now. Yeah. And then he's just so busy thinking about Ramona. They're not connecting. And he, he books a show at the rocket for the sex bomb. Uh, and the winner gets a record deal with G man graves. And he um, of the millennium. You'll have cool kids there too. One of the bands they're battling is Crash and the Boys. And you can hear young Neil in the background say, is that the band with Crash and those boys? <laughs> I love young Neil. Um, we get the P-bar. Yeah. Quick so, piss, that one. This is a really subtly funny joke because, yeah, he goes in, he does the real quick P-bar deletion, and then he like does the most half-ass hand wash. But I thought that it was brutally honest. And yeah, I, I fucking loved it. I'm sorry. But in the way that he dries each hand, one on the hand towel and one on the bath towel, just like barely like, yeah, you know, when you're a young man, that's about if oh, you no. do that at all. We've all done it once or twice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> today. <laughs> it's like the shape of water thing. Maybe you should wash your hands before you pee so you don't get your dick dirty. Mm, that's actually quite brilliant. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? I have, but I didn't. Michael I didn't Shannon's character always washes his hands before he pisses. And there's a big scene about it. But I actually it worked with a guy. Because, you know, you're in the bathroom. Y'all, there's urinals and stuff. And my boss is a, a giant muscled man at the time. And he goes in. Is he a real shrimpy nerd now? No, no, no. <laughs> he still is. I imagine I just don't see him anymore because I don't have that job. But he washes his hands and then he walks to the urinal and starts to pee. And so we have the kind of relationship where he pokes fun at me a lot. So then I, I'm, I'm trying to like rib him. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you're not going to wash your hands after you piss, you know, because I noticed that he did it before. But I, I, I wasn't trying to harp on that. I was just trying to harp on him heading straight for the door after he zipped up. And he's like, I wash my hands first. Is your dick dirty? Because mine's not. And I don't want to get my dick dirty with all the germs from the world. And I was like, I guess, man. Like, he took it so seriously. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know where to go with this. So that's a thing. At least one person and a character from that movie believes. I'm just saying, of of all the things to have personality traits in common with in The Shape of Water... Michael Chan is probably the one you want to least have things in common with. Yeah, but maybe he's onto something. Maybe, maybe. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, the season of gift giving. If you're like me, you've waited until late December to think about it. And now everything that you try to order on a website is not going to arrive until after Christmas. That's the opposite of the holiday spirit. That's stressful. We've got a gift that you can give yourself. You can get a subscription to BetterHelp and give yourself the gift of therapy. If you've never tried therapy before, it's a great way to get into it. You can fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a therapist. And if you don't like them, you're not meshing. It's easy to switch. You can just get another one. And it's all online so you don't have to stress about the traffic and the driving and the location and all the logistical things that always help you talk yourself out of giving therapy a try. So I think you should do it. This holiday season, lower the stress a little bit. Give yourself the gift of mental wellness. So in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash streaming things. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays and happy streaming, everybody. This month, we want to give a special shout out to all of our patrons who keep the lights on at streaming things, but we especially want to give a special shout out to the super patrons. They are Kaylee Sampson, San Valentino, Anthony Corona, Infamous, Brent Stradamus, Sunshine, Huckleberry Cauliflower, Optimus, Mike from New Hampshire, Brett X, Emily Scarano, Little Tickler, Svento7, Jace Gramo, Haley Anderson, A.K. Ashley Ray, Adam Busby, Wendy Laughlin, Joey Stewart, Jason Hawkins, Big Butthorn, Conrad, Rabbit Dog in a Barbie Car, Charlie Friday, Alexis Adler, Linda Eklund, Emmy, Joe Velez, John Collins, Amber McVeigh, Amanda King, Trisha Bueller, Sun Loving Mortal, Suzanne Rode, Lauren Waller, Jadinklage Morgoon, Jen Robinson, Kalisha Reeves, Aaron Armstrong, Kevin Strother, Ryan Moore, Ashley Powers, Stephen V, Casey McCain, and of course, Enza. Thank you all so much for supporting the show, and with that, Let's get back to it. But yeah, this is the where things kind of heat up a bit and the plot starts to get going again. Um, yeah, he waits. So he, he, he it's kind of this fun little bit where he walks out of the bathroom and he sees Ramona and she's she's skating up to his front door. And so he like realizes that he's dreaming. So he wakes up and answers the door before she can even ring the doorbell. It's a great transition. It's so confusing, honestly. I think, I think this movie demands rewatches. Because it's like it's he, moving so fast. Yeah, he was peeing. He was at band practice, and now I guess he was sleeping because that's another dream with Ramona. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's great. She tells him, "Yeah, subspace highway in your head. You don't have those in Canada." Uh, just kind of hand waves it off. The fact that she can dream traverse, um, and it. he won't sign for the package because he wants a date with her, and she's clearly not interested. Which is another like problematic strike too uh, from things that we've learned about ourselves as men. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not yeah. to do. You can yada, yada, yada. It's a great movie. Uh, and then finally, she's like, if I agree to go out with you, will you sign this? And he's like, yes. And then throws the package in the trash because whatever he ordered, he didn't actually want it. Took 33 takes for Michael Sarah to throw that package behind his back and land it in the trash. Oh, that, that is a practical shot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny enough, though, the signature is digitally added in. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I do love the the exchange where she's like, we actually met before at that party. And she goes, were you the Pac-Man guy? And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> that not. was uh, some other dick. That guy was, uh, that was some other creep. I was uh, the other guy. I was the other guy. <laughs> That's, that was some total ass. <laughs> um, how about 8 p.m.? And then it's 8 p.m. They hang out. Uh, he shows up late because he thought she was too cool to show up on time, but she's there waiting for him. Nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Um, she says something innocuous, like where she just says something about a tongue and he goes, 
Tongue. Tongue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She goes, uh, act of God is a pretty good excuse for a lousy date. And he goes, this is a date. And she goes, oh, did I say that? Slip of the tongue. Tongue. Mm. <laughs> it's it's hey, funny. there's a thingy nearby. Yeah. Um, and then they have tea at Ramona's because it's too cold. Uh, and they end up making out. Right. There's that there's that epic, incredible shot of her just listing off every type of tea she has. Yeah. And it's a really great Did scene. Did you make some of those up? <laughs> you made some of those up, right? Uh, apparently, uh, uh, she actually memorized every single one of those um, teas. And they both opted for sleepy time tea, mm-hmm. which is a good kind of tea to have I, at I the end. I love sleepy time tea. And she kind of, you know, she plots this out. You know, she knew he was going to wonder where his blankie was and catch her in, <laughs> her, in her undies. Sorry, I'm just cold. And then she just... Warms him up with her body, but my body. What about our tea? I could, I could, I could not have tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll give Scott some credit here. He does handle this well. You know, they get hot and heavy in their undies. And then she says, I changed my mind. I'm not having sex anymore. And he's like, that's okay. This is nice. I think I needed this, whatever, whatever yeah, this was. It was a very mature way for a, a, to handle, you know, the, the way you should handle someone yeah. retracting their consent, mm-hmm. but she reserves the right to change your mind later. Right. But don't worry, I'm not kicking you out. You can stay here. And they sleep together quite literally. They don't have sex. Um, hey, can this not be a one night stand? Especially since I didn't get any. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a funny joke. That's the kind of joke I would make. And then he's like, I was kidding. Uh, and then he asked for her number. and Girl number. Wow, girl number. <laughs> and we get the seven X's on there. When, I don't know about you, but when I actually got a girl's number, like around that age, I had almost the exact same reaction every time. Wow. Wow, girl number. I don't think I ever did that again. It was always my friends and I always just had their number already. Um, never had like some some real awkward date experiences, you know, talking to strangers, hoping to score, all that stuff. Never did that. <laughs> um, and then at the, at the, the rocket, she because that's where he invites her to mm-hmm. like come see us play tonight. Knives just jumps up and kisses him, which is strange because they'd never kissed before. Uh, uh, never even held hands. Knives is uh, she's ready. It's going in there. She she loves him. Uh, Stacy's there. Her boyfriend is it Jimmy? Jimmy. Or Jimmy's there. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love Wallace is there. I love the shot. Like after Knives comes in and kisses uh, Scott, there's this like really fun like where everyone's like looking at each other. Yeah. You get like the anime like streak. But lines. Ramona doesn't like really think anything of it. You know, yeah, that could just be like, like, huh? Okay, weird. But he ends up seeing them talking on the balcony, and he's, oh no! Uh, I, I, they have like the horror novel kind of shot, like, oh no, this is a nightmare, and like yeah. the organ music's playing. <laughs> we have to play now. We have to play loud. So he slaps Stephen, uh, who's always freaking out before every show. Fun little bit of costuming. Uh, Scott's wearing a Plum Tree T-shirt uh-huh. in the scene. Plum Tree is a band that had a song in 1998 called Scott Pilgrim. And that is where wow. Riley O'Malley got the name for this character. Brian Lee O'Malley is a music fan like uh, 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 Edgar. Mm-hmm. That and big, actually that song, big. Scott Pilgrim, is in the in this movie. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but Crash of the Boys, there's actually uh, a, a girl <laughs> so drummer. So sad. This one's called So Sad. And I love Wallace. It's like, it's not a race, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this one's the guy on the balcony. It's, it's called, called we, we hate, hate you, you please die <laughs> <laughs> um one of my favorite jokes from the movie is in this scene they the sex bombs the sex bomb finally starts playing they start rocking pretty hard honestly i'm, I'm into it is this not, the garbage not, man scene? no that was yeah, the practice one no garbage truck is the scene yeah. i love that song uh knife faints because she's just such a big fan knives faints it cuts to neil 
And there's a, there's a, there's, yeah. there's a lyric and I do this all the time. And this is why I laugh so hard. Cause it does. It is so embarrassing. I do it all, especially when my wife and I are jamming. Like I always do this. Um, cause I was raised in a time where you bought a CD, you'd open the book, all the lyrics to the songs was uh, in there oh, and yeah. you would literally just read them while you listened. Right nowadays, if I'm listening to, to Nicki Minaj or something like that, or Megan Thee Stallion and I'm trying <laughs> And I'm trying, I'm listening, I'm trying to whop out or whatever. Whop out with your cock out. I apparently don't have a good ear for words. So I will sing completely wrong words. Not only not remembering oh, correctly, but just words that I, I think those are the words. Yeah. And my wife's like, she can just hear it clear. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's not what they're saying at all. So that happens to me all the time. But specifically this kind of thing will happen a lot in music because they, they go, oh my. And Neil sings, oh no. Yeah. Oh and, no. And then like covers it up real quick and looks really My. dumb. It's like a really awkward. <laughs> I fucking love that because it's like, oh, that's me. Ah. Yeah. It's, that's such a relatable moment. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be there, but I love it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Wallace but, is uh, trying to hit on Jimmy. He's been successfully. Hey, Jimmy. Making, it looks like making Jimmy uncomfortable. Do they rock or do they suck? <laughs> they haven't started playing yet. That was a trick, Jimmy. Or that was a test. You passed. You passed. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he does this all the time because later when Stay she <laughs> when she catches him, she's like, Wallace, Wallace again? again? <laughs> He's always sleeping with her boyfriends. <laughs> uh, but Matthew Patel shows up, busts through the ceiling. Matthew Patel. <laughs> He's the first evil ex-boyfriend. Uh, they battle. Scott didn't read the email, so he doesn't know what's going on, which further infuriates uh, Patel. Are you uh, a pirate? Yeah. Pirates, Pirates are in, in right this year? now. <laughs> he throws fireballs. He has demon hipster chicks. Hell yeah. Um, and so she, we find out that Ramona dated him in seventh grade uh, and he defeats Matthew Patel. Oh, sweet coins and starts picking them up. Oh, not even enough for a bus. I'll give you the rest. Yeah, there's a bunch um, of fun stuff in this. Uh, the KO sound effect is actually from Sega's Virtual Fighter. Oh, really? Yeah, KO. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, Matthew Patel is actually the only evil ex that's got defeat single handedly. Everyone else he gets that's true. help from somebody, one of his friends, which is interesting. And it's weird that Patel's the first one because he's like got powers and stuff. Yeah, he's got he's got mystical powers. He's that's like how the weakest they, one, but he's, they, I guess he's the first. Like their relationship was the longest to go. Is that what it is? No, because she said they only dated for like two weeks or something. No, but like it was seventh grade. Oh, like furthest back yeah, yeah, okay. in time. And yeah, I, th I think that's how it goes. It's it's chronological. And like Gideon they, was their most recent boyfriend, so he's the leader. Yeah, yeah. And also, I love how that when she's telling the backstory of like when they dated, they're they're using actual art from the comic. Like that's like yeah, panel that's what the comic looks like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like the, that. I mean, that's not what the drawing the comic always looks like because in the when they're when she's telling the background in the comic, he he draws it a little bit more high schoolery. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why it has that visual look, but that's a similar style yeah. of, of it. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he, he beats Matthew Patel who explodes into coins. Oh, sweet coins. And then Bomb actually wins this round of the, uh, battle of the band. Cause Crash and the boys are dead. They win by default. Oh, true. Cause when, uh, when he's whipping out his fireballs, me and my yeah, fireballs. He kills him. <laughs> yeah. And my, my demon, demon hipster, hipster chicks. chicks. <laughs> I, I love how it becomes a Bollywood fight. It's so good. Yeah. And he vaporizes Crash and the boys. Uh, and so they win, but Ramona and Scott dip out. That's where she tells him about her seven evil exes. Uh, and he's like, oh, so we're dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's like, I guess. Does that mean we can make out? 
Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, awesome. And then we get the Seinfeld. The sitcom <laughs> intro. <laughs> somebody got to second base tonight. Well, maybe first and a half. <laughs> and that somebody is me. I don't know if you're picking that up. Um, and they got a studio audience for this whole scene. He tells Wallace he needs to leave his apartment because Ramona's coming over and he doesn't want him gang up the place. <laughs> uh, but first, Wallace is watching a Lucas Lee marathon. Well, he's like, I, I have to issue one of my famous ultimatums. Break up with knives. This one might live in infamy. Break up with knives. You have to do that now. And it turns out that Wallace brought Jimmy home. And so Scott has like, well, double standard. Yeah. As he walks I don't by. make the gay rules. You take it up with Liberace's ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so then we get the scene where Knives wants him to meet her parents. And he's like, so we're having Chinese food? Uh, And I'm I'm ashamed that I laughed, but I did. And uh, that's when she tells him that she's in love. And we get the like love smoke words. And he like waves it out of his face like a cigarette. Uh, And then he does, in fact, break up up with Knives. Mm -hmm. Says that he's too old for her. Well, he gives her all kinds of excuses at first, which that's a valid one. And then at some point... He well, just, the, the, the old, I say that because the age thing is an important impetus for what Knives does because mm-hmm. she thinks that he ends up with Ramona because Ramona's older. And so she knows she's that's had, why he's with she, that fat chick. Yeah. She like, she, <laughs> I only knew there was good music like two months ago. She's got like five years on me on the good music track. Yeah. <laughs> she just found out about good music. Uh, and then he's like sad on the bus for a second and then starts thinking about Ramona and just com- forgets completely about Knives, who's in fact devastated. Yeah. Um, or knives. And we get more band practice. Uh, and then uh, he goes back to Wallace's house. New, new. And that's when <laughs> that's yeah, he tells him about his new girlfriend. And he just leaves band practice. He's like, you know, young Neil knows all my parts. So he's selfish to the band. He's selfish mm-hmm. to knives. Like, you know what I mean? He's just always. And also he's really, really weird about Ramona dying her hair. So she dyes her hair blue and he's just that almost completely wrecks him. Like, how how dare you uh, well, dye your hair? And I don't think it, I don't think it's meant to be like he's controlling of her. It might be. But I took it like it's so not him. He's such an anxious person. He hasn't cut his hair since Envy dumped him three hours after he last cut well, his he, hair. Well, he, he cuts, cuts his own hair. Yeah. He's so unable to process making decisions like that without wondering how other people are going to react. You know, he's worried so much about what other people think of him that he can't process someone just not giving a fuck what other people think of them. Yeah. So you, that, cause he's like thrown into an abyss of confusion. Mm-hmm. Cause he even says like, she didn't even make a big deal out of her anything. How am I going to like live up to that? So yeah, he's projecting his own insecurities on her. Yeah. And it also like makes him way more insecure in their own. And day. I love that shot when she first arrives with the blue hair and it's just him in the background, just staring right at the hair. <laughs> Um, you changed your hair (laughs) yeah I I do that like every week Um, and in the show she dyes her hair at the beginning of every episode yeah in the cartoon on Mm -hmm. Netflix that was neat but yeah uh, Wallace pretty much tries to give him a pep talk like you know fuck you know get your act together but if you but when you flake out come meet me at the castle so then we get like a 15 minutes later and they're doing the garlic bread thing Bread makes you fat. Wait, bread makes you fat. One of the the best best memes. Yeah. (laughs) 30 minutes later, he's like, I wrote you a song. And he like, does that's that's the Ramona's ballad. It plays like three times throughout this movie, the Beck song. And then 45 minutes later, your hair's pretty shaggy. And then he, he gives the explanation of why he cuts his own hair. It's because envy broke up with him. Also little cameo, the announcer that's describing like Scott hasn't cut his hair in over three days. That's Bill Hader. Really? Yeah. That is Bill Hader making a little so cameo. Everyone I've ever loved is in the is, cast is, of this movie. It's in this movie, yeah. Holy shit. 
And if you listen to it again, knowing it's Bill Hader, you're like, oh, fuck that 100% is Bill Hader. It's so Bill Hader. <laughs> wow. I love that when it cuts back to him, it's just his hat is on. <laughs> they, they do that joke several times. Yeah. It works every time. Every single time. <laughs> I'm going to go re-rate this. It is definitely not just four stars. It's Oh, man, it's five, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um and it cuts to them walking because that's an excuse for him to have his hat on. Mm-hmm. No, I just like walking, putting one foot in front one of the other. One foot in front of the other. Uh, and then they walk to the movie set that uh, ba- 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 Wallace said that he was going to go to earlier. It's a movie starring Lucas Lee. And that's when they, that's when they realize <laughs> that Lucas Lee is an ex, the next evil ex of Ramona. Oh, uh, and he ends up having to fight the entire stunt team, which is a great. Oh, my God. I just have gag. to say, I think my favorite part of the movie is uh, Chris Evans as Lucas Lee. Such a good character. He is hamming it up so much. And you can tell he's having the time of his life playing this character. Yes. It's so much fun. And it's so much Going different. for the Oscar this year. Going for the Oscar this year, bro. <laughs> oh, that's actually hilarious. <laughs> Literally everything he says in this, like, he's only in the movie for what, like five minutes? But everything he says is fucking quotable. My wife, she actually hates most of my mannerisms, but she does get a kick out of it. Because every time I get a meme or something from one of you guys. It's actually hilarious. Uh, I go, <laughs> it's actually hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good, huh? Sometimes I let him do the wide shots when I want to get blazed in my Winnie. <laughs> in my Winnie. <laughs> But yeah, like he comes out, he comes out to the universal theme, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, his stunt team beats him up and they have like a really epic fight. And but he can't defeat him. So he has to trick him with his wits. Yeah, he's got. He's like, you're a pro skater, right? <sighs> Not only just a pro, pretty good skater. Guy moon skate company. <laughs> he has like a skate company tattoo. tattooed on him. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody get me my board. <laughs> Can, so do you think he could do a thingy? On that rail over there. It's called a grind, bro. <laughs> it's called a grind. Bro. So could you do a grind thingy <laughs> on that rail? You're not going to goad me into doing this dangerous trick. There's chicks over there watching. Somebody get me my board. <laughs> and then he does an, this incredible, I, this gag shouldn't work, but it does when it keeps cutting back to wow. Scott. Wow. But the third one is what gets Whoa. me. Where it cuts, <laughs> it does a slow-mo version and then cuts away from it. Uh, and then he ends up like exploding at the bottom. Uh, totally bailed. He went over 300 kilometers per hour because it's in Canada um, <laughs> or anywhere but America, really. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. So he defeated sort of Lucas Lee. Uh, and then uh, we cut back to <laughs> we cut back to but Ramona's bail. She disappears. She disappears. Yeah. He can't get a hold of her. Uh, he leaves a, a, a message uh, and he tells I think it's, he's talking to Wallace where he says, I think something about the L word. He's like, you, you thinking about using the L word? And he goes, Oh no, Wallace tells him it's like, if you really want to fight, if you really want this girl, you got to fight for it. It's time to break out the L word. And he goes, lesbian, the other L word lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> so by the way, um, a, a fun little tidbit and it's brought back at the end when he said, he accidentally tells her I'm a lesbian with you. <laughs> um, I said lesbians <laughs> either that or he's just has, has a fear of commitment and he did that on purpose maybe that's what you're supposed to read into that character but you're aware that Ewan McGregor is married to Mary Elizabeth Winstead I'm very aware <laughs> you don't know which one of those people you're more jealous of if you're me uh, same <laughs> I really hope that they greet each other every day by going hello there <laughs> and then sex yeah just just, just vigorous just mushing parts together <laughs> but he'll fuck with her like out of love, you know, and he wears the shirt that says I'm in lesbians with you. 
Oh, this is this is you and McGregor. That yeah, you and McGregor has oh a shirt God. that says "I'm in lesbians with that's you." That's adorable. That he wears when he's with her pretty often, and uh, I think that that's fucking adorable. I I was so happy when she got cast in the Ahsoka show because I'm like, oh, they're both in Star Wars now. Oh yeah, I didn't even track that. I really want her character. Too bad that though. show was rotten ass garbage. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love her. It was not great. So then after he can't, you know, he says, I'm, you know, lesbian, that whole thing. Envy is the one that calls. Uh, hey, and, Scott. And then Knives shows up. <laughs> instead this of Ramona is, at the door. This is a really funny visual gag because, yeah, Knives is at the door and Wallace. Oh, like, he just oh, left. He just, and you you could see Scott in the back, like, like run back yeah. away out of the line of sight as Wallace closed the door. And then he like <laughs> nose dives through the little window. Through the glass. And then it cuts back to Knives and you could see him walking well, no. in the sidewalk behind her. But you can see him reach in and grab his jacket too. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> and then you can see him walk behind her. And she's like, what? Because she saw him, right? He just left. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good gag. One of my favorite gifts of all time. I got to use it in the group chat yesterday because when Madison said she wasn't going to make it to the Scott Pilgrim coverage. Oh, yeah. like, yes, this is Madison. Um, but yeah, Scott's seeing X's everywhere. He's he so much off more his paranoid. Patch, yeah. which is a gag I've never really put together before, I don't think. Because every time he sees the letter X, he's mad now. So. There's a really charming scene in the book. It's on the first date with Ramona. She asks him what that patch is on his jacket. And he's like, ah, well, one of us went to the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters and one of us did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, one of the, like, I would make that joke if I was yeah, in that situation. <laughs> that's you trying to get some play. Yeah. <laughs> this will work on the ladies. <laughs> Have you seen 1990s animated X-Men? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and he runs into a third X, but it's actually the fifth one that he fights. I think it's Roxanne, but she can, oh, like, Roxy, I think is the fourth. She can like teleport mm-hmm. and, uh, turn what? into a bat. I'm not really sure what's going on. So by the way, Roxy is played by Mae Whitman, mm-hmm. who, uh, you may recognize as Michael Sarah's girlfriend in Arrested Development. She plays her. So if you ever watched Arrested Development, that's who that is, which is kind of funny that they they work together on this as well. Interesting. And Arrested Development is after? Uh, this is before. Okay, so they had so, already worked together. Yeah, Arrested Development was before. Actually, Arrested Development. So he's Development, from Superbad and Arrested Development at yeah. this point in time. So yeah. he's by far the biggest Arrested star. Development actually, uh, so Edgar Wright credits that show as being the inspiration for why he thought Michael Sarah would be a good Scott Pilgrim was because he saw him in Arrested Development. But uh, Roxy, played by Mae May Whitman, is... Um, she is also maybe the second most quotable character in this movie. Like every one of her lines are killing. Like you punch me in the boob. I'm by furious. Prepare to die. Obviously. <laughs> or like she says some sort of weird convoluted thing. He goes, what's that from? And she just gets like, gets flustered. It's like uh, my it's, brain. It's from me. <laughs> yeah. And th- this encounter, he just basically tells her, I don't fucking have time for this right now. And, and she fucks off, um, which is kind of her. Yeah. It is. So then he goes to see his sister at work, but she leaves because she doesn't want to talk to him. And here's <laughs> Sorry, bullshit. I had to go. <laughs> and it's Jules. Uh, and but he, she's getting censored. Yeah, she keeps she's doing that herself somehow. Don't worry about it. She keeps saying the fuck word. Bloop. Um, and then he ends up running to running into Ramona at the coffee shop. But right as he's about to finally have some closure there, Envy shows up um, who she, he has been warned is wandering Toronto again. And suddenly he's wearing the hat. Again, this is when the hat gag pops back up because yep. it's Envy and he's like. <laughs> this is from, uh, played by Brie Larson, uh, Envy Adams. Yes. Almost unrecognizable. Like, yes. If you had told me that uh, if no one told me that was Brie Larson, I would not have thought it was. So again, I didn't watch this movie on time because of my issues. And uh, so I watched this movie for the first time, I think in 2014. So I lied. 
So like room was out mm-hmm. short term. 12 was already out. I knew this as incredible, amazing, phenomenal talent, Oscar winning Brie Larson when watching this movie and was like, what? <laughs> and Andy was like, oh yeah, keep watching. You know what I mean? Um, Cause then Jason Schwartzman shows up later and stuff. So yeah. it's like, this is a wild movie, dude. Check this yeah, out. You're going to love this. Um, I think Andy showed it to me. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, Brie Larson as Envy shows up. He's suddenly wearing the hat. She's jealous of Ramona. She invites uh, Sex Bob Mom to play play with them at, th- or uh, she tells them to come visit them at the Lee's. Yeah, Palace. Stephen's the one that books it yeah. without his permission, uh, and she just drops the line. I dated a Todd once, uh, and he's like, hmm, interesting. We find out soon it's the same Todd. Mm-hmm. She also continually corrects him when he keeps calling them seven evil ex boyfriends and exes. she's exes, which is because of Roxy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the bed, uh, there's like a gay orgy going on in the bed <laughs> when he gets home. Uh, and one of the guys, one of the boyfriends says, because uh, he's telling him about Ramona and he's like, and you didn't bang her? Are you gay? Um, these That's are the other 2010 Scott. jokes. Yeah. That's other Scott. This is why I'm like, I'm okay if you cut other Scott out of this movie. <laughs> I don't think he's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then Steven books them for to open for uh, The Clash of Demon Head. Um, the clash at demon head. Well, I want to do a secret show of our band. All our shows are secret shows. <laughs> a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Cause nobody knows that they're playing. I like that. Joke. I love it. Uh, knives. I, I, there's this also another really funny visual joke. where like, come on guys, we need stalkers. And then like whoever it is, like walks at a frame and you see knives, knives like, is in the up against the window and it does like, <laughs> And like, he's like laying on Ramona and she's furiously watching. So this is where she like dyes her hair and freaks out ranting about the fat chick to her friend. She's dating a fat ass hipster chick. She's probably like 25. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then she texts Neil to get back at him. Uh, I think you're so hot, young Neil. OMFG. And then we get the show at the palace where they open for the TCAD. And... And first, I don't remember why I was taking notes. And even though I've seen this movie so many times, I couldn't remember. But he's like, I've got a pee on her. I mean, I've got a pee. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Knives, uh, Ramona goes to the bathroom. Knives is there with her. Knives has dyed her hair to look exactly like Ramona. And she's just generally creepy to Ramona. Yeah. And but Ramona comes out and says, like, how do you know that girl again? And so he his brain cycles through a bunch of excuses and it lands in between two of them. Oh, okay. And so he combines it to I got to pee on her. I got to pee. <laughs> the, the excuses on the wheel are she's nobody. She's 40. Idiot. No speak English. <laughs> When's dinner? Uh, tell Pac-Man 1980 story. <laughs> no, you are. Pass out. It was nothing who her and I got to pee. And I think it lands between I got to pee and who her. Who her. Yeah. I got to pee on her. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the iconic metric song. Yes. Black sheep. Hello again. Friend of a friend. I it's, knew you. And then that. And I love the way they cut in between like Envy and uh, Brendan Routh, who plays Todd on bass. Uh, which, by the way, super iconic look. Like the, the three, the the three on a white shirt and white pants with like the bleach blonde hair. Yeah, very iconic look. But I love especially how, like, when he's full vegan mode and his eyes are glowing. Yeah, and like they've got that circular, like almost 1950 mm-hmm. superpower effect. Yeah, um, very iconic look. But I love when the metric song when you get that guitar and it just keeps cutting back to them just staring at each other yeah. with the lights. Uh, it's very, it's very hype, very hype. And I think that's why people like the Brie Larson version of the song a little more. She does it a little sexier than metric does. Well, I have to say, so the Brie Larson version in the movie is different 
than the Brie Larson version they just released like last year on the Earth. Oh, is it really? Because I've been so I actually I prefer the metric version by a mile. Uh, but I think that's just because I'm a, I got a huge crush on Emily Haynes and metric in general. Like yeah. I just love the way she sings a lot. So I was listening to the two of them back to back on, cause I've been in a Scott Pilgrim mood like all week. So I've been listening to both versions. And then when I was sat down and watched the movie last night, I'm like, this is different. Like her vocals are way better in the movie than I think on the really, I don't know like if they like lost the original version. So they had Brie Larson. Yeah, cause from, the movie like, is the one they're talking about when they say that, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I, so I wonder if like what they released, you know, two years ago for the anniversary of the soundtrack was like, maybe they got Brie Larson in 2020 to come in and record something. Cause yeah. it is different. Like the way she's singing is very different. Right. Uh, which is confusing to me, but I, you know, I'll always stand the metric version cause I love, they're both fire. So I'll tell you much. that. And they are both fire. And this is where he realized that Todd is the same Todd. They share the same Todd of hatred. And, uh, there's another a hilarious dumb Neil joke where after the song everybody's happy about it and he tells knives you should see him live you should see him live they're way better live it was it was live so <laughs> <laughs> so Jules uh Jules tells them to come backstage for some reason you know Evie, Envy wants you guys to come backstage and this is where also knives finds out that Scott used to date Envy she's like what <laughs> she got that she gets that weird face when she finds out that, yeah Ooh. yeah the little I don't know what that's supposed to be uh-huh. Todd uh Todd fucking punches the highlights out of knives. You punch the highlights <laughs> out of her hair. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, that's a good Neil impression. Um, and we find out he has vegan oh my powers. God. This is such a funny series of events. Cause yeah, he punches the highlights out of knives hair and, and, and he's like, you're incorrigible. And he's like, I don't know the meaning of the word. And then the text pops up. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. <laughs> it's funny as shit. And there's so much. And by the, I feel like we made fun of vegans a lot more in 2010 than we do now. Oh yeah. We so you got to put do. that in context where the fact that he's vegan, they hated that about Todd. You know what I mean? Like people, they were so uppity about that. But it, but it was, it was a funny joke to where like, because he's vegan, he has these superpowers. Yeah. It's like, basically he's just better than you. Like yeah. that was the, the general at the time, kind of belief about people who were vegan in 2010. We find out he punched a hole in the moon for Ramona back when they were uh, dating. And if Uh, you ever see the moon in the, in the movie, if they ever show the moon, it has a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's referenced in the show too. One of our um, listeners, Alexis messaged me when I posted on Instagram that we were doing this movie this week. And she wrote as a former vegan, I admit at times I did feel better than everyone. That part always has me cackling in this mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> it's accurate. How could you not, you know, you're trying, you're being helpful. Um, I also love that there's a joke about, Oh, what did he go to vegan Academy? And then they just kind of bring it back later, telling the story when they actually dated. But then uh, I dumped him when we, when he went off to vegan Academy, it was a really cool thing that was brought back that I've never really thought about before. Then they fight. He keeps losing. There's the whole bit about the cleaning lady because Todd's dumb as shit. She dusts. <laughs> yeah, but I assume she'll have the weekend off. And then when she gets there Monday, uh, it's like a whole thing. And then they, they have the base battle. We talked about that earlier. Scott loses that as well. And finally, he tricks him because uh, he has ESP. He can read Scott's mind. And he thinks about putting the soy milk in the cup he's drinking, puts half and half in Todd's cup and tricks him into drinking dairy. The vegan police show up. <laughs> And remove his powers. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, it's Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. <laughs> it's amazing. Police, you're in violation of code number 827, embodiment of half and half. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's it's his third strike because he also ate chicken parm. Chicken's not vegan. 
And before that, gelato. Smoking eggs, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's able to easily defeat Todd without his powers. Um, he calls. Uh, there was a really funny bit where Steven asks, like, hey, I always wondered why does being vegan um, give you psychic powers? And Todd's like, you know, 10%. <laughs> You only use 10% of your brain. It's because the other 90% is filled with curds away. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, he calls Envy Natalie. And it was kind of almost lightweight touching moment about her losing her way as Envy Adams. Um, and then Scott's kind of a dick, a major dick to Ramona. Like he's starting to get worried that she's going to dump him and he's getting exhausted from fighting all these exes mm -hmm. as well. And then right at the wrongest moment, the fourth ex, the girl from earlier, Roxy shows up. <laughs> it's so juvenile but like i get it and i love it when he he finds out he it clicks that they've dated and gets he, it he looks at ramona and goes you had a sexy face <laughs> <laughs> we're simple dumb idiot creatures I, I got a kick out of back off hasbian like there's hasbian there's a little by furious yeah um but I, great. I love the fight because Ramona actually does most of the fighting. She pulls out her fucking hammer. It's iconic. So cool. This is such a good fight scene. And too. Roxy's got the whip. It's probably the best choreographed fight, I think. Oh, in the for movie. sure. I agree. Yeah. Um, and she ends up fighting for Scott by like holding his arm because he didn't want to hit a girl. It's league rules. He has to defeat her with his own fists. Your BF is about to get effed in, in the, the B. <laughs> And then her weakness is in the back of her knees. So Scott kind of pokes her in the back of the knee and she bursts into coingasm. Yeah, she dies from an orgasm. You'll never do this to her. <laughs> That's her last curse is you'll never make her, you'll never make her come. <laughs> and then he orders two gin and tonics. Both are for him because uh, he's just stressed out. He's a super dick to her. Um, he says a, he says a really mean thing where he's like, is there anyone at this party you haven't slept with? And he says, you're just, or she says, you're just another evil ex waiting to happen. Ooh. Gives him the list. And there's only the, the Ketiganagi twins and uh, Gideon left on the list. And then when he gets to the next <laughs> Battle of the Band show. <clears throat> a fun little uh, costume design again is he in this scene, he's wearing a Fantastic Four logo shirt. Next to the four, there's a little very visible, like barely visible half next to it. And in the uh, DVD commentary, Edgar was saying they put that shirt in there because at this point in the story, Scott's very close to being an evil ex. So he's like, cause Roxy was four, Katty and Aggie twins are five and six. So Scott in this moment is evil ex four and a half. Oh, interesting. It's just a, just a fun little costume design Wouldn't he choice. Be eight and a half though, really? Well, yeah, but in the story there. Or a seven and a half? But in contextually in the story. I there. get it. Yeah. Nice touch. That poster needs and he's more wearing, exclamation marks. Isn't he wearing the guitar uh, head though? Uh, at the at the Battle of the Bands, yeah, yeah. That's, but I think somehow in between, that's this, like the logo yeah, of the movie now. He's wearing like the the rock band bassist uh, logo. When yeah, you play the game rock band. That's the logo for the bass. And uh, she's there with Gideon. I just can't resist him when I'm around him. But we find out that he literally controls her mind, mm -hmm. right, with his powers. Um, and then he decides. It's a, it, the bands are fighting at the same time. So it's a, I forget what they call it. Amp versus amp. Yeah. Amp versus amp. We are sex bomb and we're here to make you sad and think about death and stuff. <laughs> da, 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 da. And there's Threshold. like a, it's such a good song. There's like a sound kaiju fight, uh, that their band eventually wins. It's like King Ghidorah versus King Kong basically. Yeah. And, uh, he wins. The Kong wins and he gets one up. He gets an extra life, goes after Ramona, runs into knives 
just leaves her there. Doesn't even say anything. I know it's so sad because they're playing that anthem of a uh, anthem for a seventeen year old girl song, and yeah. like that's a sad song in, in general. So like just seeing poor knives. I love knives, Chow. She's a great character. Such I looked up character. what Ellen Wong did after this. Nothing that I've really seen, um, which is disappointing. Yeah, she's she's so delightful. Yeah, she's fun. Uh, and he tells Ramona, "I'm in lesbians with you." And, I really mean it. And she tells him <laughs> that they have to break up. And, uh, but in that moment, G-Man Gideon reveals himself, gives him a record deal. Scott's like, no way I can sign that. And they would just kick him out of the band and replace him with Neil and sign it. And then we get <laughs> another version of the Ramona song in the background. I love the call out that like Steven Stills is peeing himself and it just like pee, pee. era. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes to talk to his sister and I love the gag where she's like, talking about the 11 evil exes and he's like, it's seven. And she's like, Oh, oh that's, that's not that bad. bad. <laughs> and I love that. She immediately walks away on the phone. She's like, Oh, I know it's so pathetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he ends up seeing Wallace and the guy's junk, you know, and then he kicks Scott out, uh, forever, mm-hmm. uh, for sex. But also this is fucking house. And I've been letting you crash here for a year. Yeah. Wallace then, deserves his own space. And at this moment, Gideon calls, uh, Hey buddy. I love it in the background. You can hear uh, Wallace go, what a perfect asshole. And there's like the gag where he thinks he's talking to his boyfriend and they're having sex. Yeah. But he's like, oh, no, that's why I get it. Right? It's just a fun <laughs> thing for me. Um, and then he like races off to fight Gideon. But first, like the really long extended tying <laughs> of his shoe. shoe. Um, <laughs> and then he shows up to fight Gideon. Uh, oh, so you're here to fight me for Ramona? Like, was that not clear? Was that not clear? I love that gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott earned the power of love. Power of love. Defeats all the ninjas with his love sword. Fails. We the- are a sex bomb and we're here to sell out and make money and stuff. And she like flips Gideon off with her, you know, she scratches her nose. So he fights Gideon, loses. Knives Chow comes to the rescue seemingly, but she's actually there to kill Ramona. Um, both the girls confront him. He makes a lame excuse. Doesn't admit to cheating on um, Ramona. Just, oh, I guess I did cheat on you. And then he gets stabbed from behind and dies by Gideon. And then he's like in, in the, the shot of him lying on the ground and it like the background goes black and it's like dead. <laughs> that's actually a really, a, a, an interesting case of where Brian Lee O'Malley actually liked that scene, that shot so much that he lifted that directly from the movie and put it in. Oh, the cause the final ending book. wasn't written yet. Cause the final, yeah, it wasn't written yet. Nice. He's like, that's nice. He's I'm like, that's pretty dope. I'm Edgar uh, stealing that. that. And then he's in the dying dream death world. Uh, and it ends up talking to Ramona like, well, I got time and all that shit. And he has like his uh, nominal character growth mm-hmm. gets his second life redo. I Cause he had like a one up. I learned something <laughs> <laughs> too bad. I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, wh- why do I have Neil swoons in parentheses on my notes? Uh, I don't, no, does Neil swoon? Oh no, Neil doesn't. Oh, but they yeah, no. So so Scott's coming. In, he gets his extra life. He respawns outside the club. He kind of gets in there quicker. I hate like, your haircut. He's like Stephen. Uh, the band, the lineup's great. It sounds better without me, Kim. I'm real sorry about me. And yeah, Kim smiles. And, then he, and he goes, Young Neil, you are now forever oh. be known as Neil. And then he swoons. And then he swoons. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Neil. Um, and then he gets the power of self-respect, and he owns up. He defeats the ninjas again quickly and then owns up to his mistakes with both women. Yes, I hurt you knives. Quick apology. Uh, we'll take it. And then another fight with G-Man uh, who ends up like kicking Ramona down the stairs. Bad. And bad. He, he does defeat <laughs> Gideon and then you can defeat me, but can you defeat yourself? And it's the Nega Scott, which was referenced in the ninja game earlier because he always loses the fight with mm-hmm. uh, Nega Ninja. Um, 
And then he ends up just walking out, shooting the shit with himself. Like, it's actually a nice guy. We're going to have brunch. Have brunch later. We have a lot in common, it turns out. Um, and then Ramona decides to leave town. And uh, that's kind of sad. And then Knives tells, basically, you get this kind of fake, whatever. Like, the movie wants you to be like, Knives is fine. She told him to go get Ramona. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so this is the alternate ending that where they, they wrote that... Um, Again, they weren't sure how the the book was going to end, so they wrote an ending where Scott ends up with knives, and they wrote an ending where Scott ends up with Ramona, and mm-hmm. obviously they they stuck with the one with Ramona. But there, I and I think this is the biggest problem with the movie because the movie kind of leaves all these subtle little examples that would make it pseudo believable that he would go back with knives. Like, you know, you don't deserve her. Uh, I think Ramona tells Scott in the dream, like maybe I wasn't the one you should have been fighting for. They defeat Gideon by working together in with their, uh, the ninja game that they were playing. Yeah. Uh, so, and, but because they do that, they leave this, o- this door open for him to get back together with knives. I don't think they do enough to uh, make it, believable or feel necessarily correct that he's ending up with either of them. Agreed. And it's all because of his character growth is so minimal. You know what I mean? Um, I actually kind of like the ending where she realizes maybe I didn't need to stop hopping, dating people and just kind of figure my own shit out. Mm -hmm. And you need to do that too. Kind of thing, you know, but I also, from a movie perspective, it's like, it's fine and satisfying that they, yeah. they go off together, you know? Uh, and again, she's a literal manic pixie dream girl. I think that term was coined from a kind of a misogynistic character perspective back in the movie Elizabeth town. I forget the critic that named it, but it's a whole thing. Now um, you get that with uh, eternal sunshine a little bit, but there's a lot of characters days of summer. Yeah. Where it's just like this quirky, cool chick who comes to like emotionally save the man. And that's all that they really are. Uh, she's a literal manic pixie dream girl. Cause she's got the pixie cut and yeah. then she can traverse his dreams. She's man and she's manic. Uh, so like <laughs> I fucking, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. But there's so many criticisms that are almost too easy of this movie. It's very 2010, but I adore it. Yeah. And we had a great time talking about it. Thank you so much for choosing it. I hope that you enjoyed listening to us discussing it. Um, and I think that's a, that's the end here. Right. But does anybody have any questions or anything we need to answer? I have a question. You do. Yeah. Do you love me? <laughs> I'm in lesbians with you. Oh, yay. I definitely very the much L am. Word. You, you, br- you brought the big guns. That's right. Now, this is an incredible movie. Again, if you guys like this movie, highly recommend reading the books, but also definitely check out uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off on Netflix. Yeah. Because it, it, it. I think it solves any issues you might have about the movie, honestly. Oh, completely. And, and it's and it's a lot of fun. Like there's so many, like this movie has so many, it's, it's dense with movie, uh, video game, and band Easter eggs and jokes that, I mean, there are a bunch of band jokes in here that I probably like are going over my head. I'm sure there's a bunch of video game references that are going over people's heads. Yeah. Cause Edgar Wright's film and music knowledge are just off the charts, off the charts. And so if you like that aspect of it, uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off is just as dense. And I think a little bit even more kind of like leans into the, the video game and anime specifically love, uh, that this franchise has. Yes, absolutely. Check those out. Yes. Uh, if you want to make us watch movies like they did, you can go to patreon.com slash streaming things. This was a little tickler, by the way, that suggests this movie. I don't know if we said that at the top. I don't think we called out little tickler, little tickler, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Again, next week we're taking a break. We're doing the holiday episode instead of a patron pick, but the week after we're talking about the other sister. Uh, so get on that train 
And uh, yeah, I hope you're having a great holiday season. And if you're not, uh, this too shall pass. We love you very much. Thank you for supporting the show. That's all the time we have for right now. We've got to go return some videotapes. My name is Kit. And it's your boy, Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.